You may have heard of the Terracotta Army, discovered in China in 1974. But did you know that it and other artifacts were discovered by accident after being buried for over 2,000 years? I'm Laura Taylor, and I'm here with my co-host, Andrew Hook. My name is Andrew. (laughs) Welcome to Digging Deeper with the Ancients. Now, before we go on, I have to apologize in advance for any mispronunciations. I tried to learn how to say all of these names, but will probably still say them wrong. So, for those of you who don't know anything about the Terracotta Army, don't worry, you're not alone. Most people who aren't history nerds like me are lucky to recognize the name. Right, Andrew? Uh, yeah, I, I, like I've heard of them, like through the, the a couple movies, well, one movie, uh, the, the third Mummy movie, and th- yeah, that's pretty much it. So, the Terracotta Army is a collection of roughly 8,000 life-size sculptures of soldiers found buried near the tomb of the self-proclaimed first emperor of China, Xin Shi Huang, and is part of a massive necropolis which is estimated using ground-penetrating radar at being 98 square kilometers, which is roughly the size of the largest ship in the Star Wars universe. And I believe that one would be the Eclipse, uh, which is from the extended universe, uh, which may or may not be canon. It all depends on what comes out in future Star Wars stuff. Anyway, it's a really big ship. (laughs) Now, this is the largest necropolis or tomb complex in Chinese history. The area is located just a 30-minute drive from the city of Xi'an, which has a population of 8.5 million and was the capital during the reign of the first emperor. The sculptures were discovered under about 5 meters of soil in a complex called a necropolis. It consists of 600 pits and other underground vaults that range in size with the largest being the one that contained the majority of the soldiers, at 230 meters long and 62 meters wide, which is nearly as big as the original USS Enterprise on Star Trek. That's a pretty good size. Or four North American football fields, if that's your preference. Yes. Obviously, we prefer the nerdy pop culture ones. So well, sports are nerdy to sports nerds. Yes, but we're pop culture nerds. I'm also a sports nerd. That's true. The pits are arranged in what is believed to be either a replica of the first emperor's planned palace or possibly the capital city at the time. The pits have multiple corridors and are paved with small bricks. Some still have a wooden ceiling supported by large beams and posts. The wooden ceilings were originally covered with reed mats, followed by clay and layers of soil, as was the style of burial for nobility at the time. Of course, the massive necropolis with numerous pits and a terracotta army weren't normal. Typically, the deceased noble's body was placed in a small pit, similar to what most cultures around the world do today. The difference was in the mat-covered roofs 
that were then covered in clay and layers of soil, so the gravesite resembled a hill like the emperor's entire necropolis. Since the Terracotta Army are the part of the necropolis more people know about, including myself before I was researching for this podcast, I'll continue describing that part of the necropolis before telling you about the rest. And the Terracotta Army are arguably the most impressive part of the necropolis, at least of the area that's been excavated so far. The Emperor's Tomb sounds even more impressive, but we may never actually excavate it. There are three main pits containing the army, which consist of the largest pit, the one I mentioned that is about the size of the USS Enterprise, has roughly 6,000 sculptures of soldiers of different rank, with no two looking the same. So, 6,000 statues, and they're all individually hand-sculpted? Actually, no. Um, From studies done on the sculptures, it's been found that there's at least 10 different face molds were used. So they started with a mold and then changed the features afterwards. Okay, so it was a bit of a cheat, but still everyone looks individually different than yes. the next one. Okay, that's, that's cool. The second pit is thought to represent a military guard and contains cavalry, infantry, and war chariots. The third pit represents a command post with high-ranking military members and a war chariot. The soldiers themselves are all about six feet tall and weigh up to 600 pounds each. Now for reference, the kingpin in the Marvel Universe, in Marvel Comics, would be able to just lift them, not much else. Yeah, I could, for sure. I mean, yeah, he could. Mm -hmm. Marvel Comics says that he can lift up to 650 pounds. With one hand. No, that's both hands. (laughs) That's the maximum, would be 650. So these are just about his max. Each individual soldier. So think of how long... That's a lot of clay. Yeah, think of how long that would have taken to to set them up. Each warrior is outfitted in full armor and has unique characteristics, which include various facial features, hairstyles, clothing, and even different poses. It is believed that each was placed in the pit in exact military formation and were fully equipped with real weapons, although many of those weapons either rotted away or were looted shortly after the pits were covered. Pits 1 and 2 have some fire damage and partially collapsed roofs from the looting that likely took place during the political turmoil just after the first emperor's death. Even with the extensive looting, over 40,000 bronze items of weaponry have been recovered, including swords, daggers, spears, lances, battle axes, scimitars, shields, crossbows, and crossbow triggers. That's a lot of weapons. And and there's a bunch stolen too. Yeah. Or looted or well no longer of existence in the pit. Yes, yes. Admittedly, most of these 40,000 bronze items were arrowheads. Okay. But it's still really impressive. Other pits within the necropolis contain bronze carriages, terracotta figures of entertainers, such as acrobats and strongmen, and even government officials. There are also stone armor suits 
in burial sites of horses, rare animals, and laborers. I, I know some people now who'd want to bury some politicians as well. <laughs> as well as bronze cranes and ducks set in an underground park. See, those people want to bury the politicians, though. They don't want to make exact terracotta replicas of them to be buried they, alongside. They might know voodoo. <laughs> I, I don't know. They might. The emperor really had created an entire palace complex for his afterlife with all the spaces, from park with animals to stables with horses and chariots. No detail was spared in the creation, as there is even evidence that everything was painted. Now, paints at the time were made from ground precious stones, intensely fired bones, as well as various elements, stones, and saps from the area. This coloration would have given the characters a much more realistic feel. But unfortunately, the dry climate of the area results in the color flaking off within minutes of the mud being removed, which is one of the arguments against excavating the Emperor's Tomb Mound itself. That makes a lot of sense. Don't want to wreck everything that could be very precious. Yeah, exactly. Might have to set it up in the space first, get it in a vacuum, then uncover it. <laughs> well, regular people are starting to go into space now. I'll get Elon on that right away. Well, Richard Branson went well, first. Yeah, he so. got himself up there. I think Elon could get everything else up there. <laughs> Not Bezos? <laughs> no, Bezos is too busy uh, counting his billions. <laughs> so, like many ancient sites, this massive site was forgotten over time. And after initial damage, likely by the Emperor's enemies, it was left untouched for over 2,000 years. The first emperor of China ruled from 259 BC to 210 BC, and he started construction of this massive necropolis when he first became emperor at only 13 years old. So he became emperor at 13, ruled for about 40 years? Yeah, roughly. Yeah, so he was... that's old for that time. It is. It's also... 13 is also very young for planning out this massive uh, complex. Well, no, I, 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 there's, there's kids that play with Lego at that age. Yeah, they don't do that well, though. Over 720,000 workers labored on the necropolis for years, and it is likely that the emperor actually died before they were able to complete it, as evidenced by the empty pits. He really had something big planned, didn't he? Considering he lived quite long for that time, and in that time, they still weren't able to finish his complex. Uh, he must have learned something from those Egyptian guys. <laughs> this enormous discovery was again made accidentally by farmers digging a well in 1974. Oh, man, I gotta go start digging wells. Yeah, you really should. Maybe maybe there's some lost civilization that we don't know about and yeah, that... everyone has forgotten about over time. Possibly. I mean, uh, it's unlikely in northern Canada, but... Hey, it could happen. <laughs> so that's, how, that's how they find dinosaurs, too. That's true. You're more likely to find dinosaurs here yeah. than a nation civilization. But... So it was discovered in 1974, and archaeologists have been excavating the area ever since. Now, the discovery at first seemed to reinforce conventional thinking that the first emperor had been a relentless warmonger who cared only for military might. 
However, that assessment was incomplete. The first emperor may have conquered and unified China with his army, but he held it together with a civil administration system that endured for centuries. Among other accomplishments, the emperor standardized weights and measures, introduced a uniform writing script, and invested in a road network that exceeded 4,000 miles. Now to give you an idea, this was 259 BC and the roads were the length of the Amazon River. That's a lot of roads. Yes. Considering they just had horses and chariots, that's impressive. He also made barriers of earth and rubble to block nomadic invaders. Now these barriers were later rebuilt under the Ming Dynasty using stone, which became the Great Wall. So the first emperor is responsible for a lot. Two of the most famous attractions in all of China. That's that's uh, that's quite a feat for a 13-year-old. I, I don't know if you planned the Great Wall at 13. So well, like I to said, say. Legos. The entire Shen Dynasty outlived the first emperor by only four years, after which various rebel forces coalesced into a new dynasty, the Western Han. So the first emperor was kind of holding things together, huh? Yeah, it seems that way. For archaeologists, one indicator that Qin rule had collapsed suddenly was the extensive damage to the terracotta army. As order broke down, marauding forces raided the pits where clay soldiers stood guard and plundered their real weapons. Raging fires, possibly set deliberately, followed the ransacking, weakening support pillars for wooden ceilings which crashed down and smashed the figures. Some 2,000 years later, archaeologists discovered charring on the walls of one pit. The emperor's tomb itself lies beneath a forested hill, which has not been excavated both out of reverence for an imperial resting place and concerns about preserving what might be unearthed there, especially after the paint flaking off the terracotta soldiers. According to a description written a century after the emperor's death, the tomb contains a wealth of wonders, including man-made stream beds that resemble the Yellow and Yangtze rivers flowing with shimmering quicksilver mercury that mimics coursing water. Analysis of the soil in the mound has indeed revealed a high level of mercury, proving this was likely to have been done. So this is a letter that was written a century after uh, it was all done. What's with these people writing letters uh, well after the event. This guy probably wasn't even, this guy definitely wasn't even there when it first happened. No, he probably wasn't, but this is more than just a letter. This and this isn't an eyewitness, this is an actual historian. Oh, okay. So so it's some history dude uh, trying to talk about history to history people. Like us. Yes. Okay. But it's also the only account we have of what's in the Emperor's tomb. So okay. The historian so that, does that mean that he got into it, or is this a story that was told to him, which was told to him, which and so on and so forth? I, I'm just, I'm honestly curious. It was likely just stories passed down okay. over time. Who knows how much is accurate, but it's all we have now. So, so this is what the historian Suma Chin wrote: In the ninth month, the first emperor was interred at Mount Li. Digging and preparation work at Mount Li began when the first emperor first came to the throne. 
Later, after he had unified his emperor, 700,000 men were sent there from all over his empire. They dug through three layers of groundwater and poured in bronze for the outer coffin. Palaces and scenic towers for a hundred officials were constructed, and the tomb was filled with rare artifacts and wonderful treasure. Craftsmen were ordered to make crossbows and arrows primed to shoot anyone who enters the tomb. Mercury was used to simulate the hundred rivers, the Yangtze, Yellow River, and the Great Sea, and set to flow mechanically. Above were representations of the heavenly constellations, below the features of the land. Candles were made from fat, which is calculated to burn and not extinguish for a long time. The second emperor said it would be inappropriate for the concubines of the late emperor who have no sons to be out free. Ordered that they should accompany the dead and a great many died. After the burial, it was suggested that it would be a serious breach if the craftsmen who constructed the mechanical devices and knew of its treasures were to divulge those secrets. Therefore, after the funeral ceremonies had completed, and the treasures hidden away, the inner passageway was blocked and the outer gate lowered, immediately trapping all the workers and craftsmen inside. None could escape. Trees and vegetation were then planted on the tomb mound such that it resembles a hill. He also warned that the tomb mound itself was booby-trapped, like most ancient tombs were. Whether this is true or just a method of deterring looters is unknown. Right, so uh, you have to be like an Indiana Jones type to get into it because of the the booby traps. Exactly. Rolling boulders and and poison darts shooting. Yeah. Well, actually, because it did say that there was the the crossbows built to to shoot anyone who tried to enter. Yeah, and it says about different mechanisms were constructed. And of course, just that much mercury would probably just kill you on sight. (laughs) Very well, good. He describes the tomb in detail like this. However... He never mentions the Terracotta Army in all of his writings that cover thousands of years of history. So, why not? Um, theory, just a theory. Uh, Because he did say all the concubines and the the workers that built the thing were buried inside. Maybe he meant the army, because maybe it was the army that built this this tomb to start with. Or was it actual workers? Do Do we even know... Who he got to build it? Well, he got... He shipped people from all over the empire. Okay. So, it wasn't his army, but what I'm saying is he never... This historian never mentions the Terracotta army. Yeah. So, so, um, maybe the story got so degraded over time that the, the Terracotta army turned into the workers who built the thing. Okay. And mm-hmm. and when he said they got buried inside there, that's what he meant by that. Because do we know if they found any human remains in there? Yes, they have. Oh, they have? Okay. But enough for thousands of people? The problem is that he was describing in detail the actual tomb, which we haven't excavated. Okay. But they have found burial sites of other horses and other people as well around the complex just not in the numbers that he talked about for the for the tomb itself okay 
But yeah, the fact that he doesn't mention the terracotta army of 6,000 figures is kind of suspect. Or, or maybe they didn't know about that one. That could be. I mean, it's unlikely. You'd think if the stories of how the tomb, of what all the tomb included in it, you'd think if those stories got through to him, that stories of the people who looted and stole all the weapons would have gotten through too. Or, or maybe just the Emperor's tomb is just that much so much more impressive that it makes everything else look uh, like boring. Maybe. I mean, definitely doesn't seem boring to us today. No, not to us, because, well, we're nerds. The other suggestion is that he chose not to write about them, so he wouldn't offend the current emperor or his boss by bringing up such a great accomplishment of an emperor from an earlier dynasty who was conquered. So he, he wanted to not write everything for his own life. Yes, exactly. He, he was saving his, himself. We don't know what. We don't know which is true, but it's both are likely. Okay. <laughs> now, throughout recorded Chinese history, the first emperor's Ebang palace was, was synonymous with ostentation. Now, remember how I said the necropolis may be modeled after the emperor's planned palace? Well, throughout recorded Chinese history, the first emperor's Ebang palace was synonymous with ostentation. The structure was said to have been the most lavish dwelling ever constructed with an upper floor gallery that could seat 10,000 people and a network of covered walkways that led to distant mountains to the south. So I have a quote here from an archaeologist who is responsible for excavating the palace site in 2003. All Chinese people who can read, including middle school students, believed that the Xin Dynasty collapsed because it put so much money into the Ebang Palace. Now this archaeologist found that the palace was never actually built, only the base. Above it was nothing. He says that if the palace had been erected and then demolished as historians thought, there would be potsherds and telltale changes in soil color, but tests found nothing. It is so famous a symbol of Chinese culture for such a long time, showing how cruel and greedy the first emperor was, an archaeologist found it was all a lie. Or, or maybe he did spend a lot of money on this palace, but the basement was just that lavish that it collapsed the empire. <laughs> there was no basement, it's just oh. the base of the palace. Well, we'll just strike that from the record. <laughs> Now, this area, the whole necropolis, is a UNESCO World Heritage Site, which, as I'd mentioned in the Pompeii Herculaneum um, podcast, is protected internationally and eligible for various funding to preserve and excavate it for future generations. So why was the Terracotta Army built? There are four popular explanations. The first is that it served as an army in the afterlife to protect the first Qin Emperor. Now this is a good possibility, but most early leaders, whether they be emperors or pharaohs, didn't go to these lengths. So... Well, not, not to these lengths, but maybe he wanted, maybe wanted to, to everything. Well, later emperors of China did also make terracotta armies, but they were much smaller. 
So like shorter? Both. Oh. Shorter and fewer of them. Oh, okay. Because, well, it'd be much easier to make smaller statues, right? The second suggestion of why is to, was to display the glory of the first emperor. Just to show off. Whether it's to the people who found it, or the gods, or whoever. It's just to show off. Well, from listening to what you've said so far, that doesn't sound like this emperor, though. It doesn't, really. But who knows? Maybe... Maybe we've gotten it wrong. The third theory was that the terracotta warriors served as substitutes for actual human sacrifices. Now, actual human sacrifices were very popular in ancient times. In, in, in every religion and yes, everywhere. All over the world. There were always lots of human sacrifices. Now, when I first read this theory, I didn't really think it made sense because... There were so many workers and concubines said to have been buried in the tomb. But then I found out that it was actually his son, the second emperor, who had them buried. He didn't order for any of the people to be buried with him. Oh. So this is still plausible. And the fourth theory is that he just wanted to conquer death. And by having an army officials, entertainers, entire palace structure, which was more than he had in real life, was just to conquer death. Um, it is common belief that he sought out methods of living forever, from magic to herbs. To, to mercury, because I've, I've heard that one got used uh, uh, some, by, by some leaders. Mercury was a very common medicine. Yeah. Even just a couple hundred years ago. I don't know if this particular emperor used it. Well, but no, he made it to almost 60, so. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but he did use a variety of herbs. He sent people searching for magical cures or ways to live forever. So he is known quite well for that. Now, Andrew, do you find any pop culture? I, I, found, I found some found some um there's uh well, very when i say some i mean little there's very little for pop culture stuff um like there's a few movies the the mummy curse of the dragon emperor starring a uh, canadian icon brendan fraser and asian icon uh, uh jet lee uh amazing movie although i haven't seen it i'm sorry everyone who's listening i'm sorry i, I should have seen it i'm sorry um there's also a Naruto uh, movie, uh, Shippuden. Uh, also, I've never seen that. I, actually, I've never seen any Naruto, so there goes some more nerd cred. God, I'm sucking here. Uh, there's a Jackie Chan movie called The Myth. Now, that one is in uh, in Chinese, so I haven't seen that one because I don't speak Chinese. So there's my, there's one for that one. And there's several documentaries made about the, the Terracotta Army, but, but of course there's going to be documentaries made about that. In comics, in a Doctor Who comic, actually two Doctor Who comics that spans over a couple of episodes, uh, the fifth Doctor told his companion at the time that he delivered the army in his third incarnation, which had become a robot army controlled by Ming Tang's warp converter. So, so there we go. The, the Terracotta army was actually made by the Doctor. Not, not, not all these other theories that we've heard about. It was the Doctor. So there's Terracotta robots. 
Yes. Yeah, they're and actually robots. And right now, but Meng, Meng Tang's, uh, his control, his warp converter got destroyed. So they're not going to work anymore. Okay. Even though some of the roofs collapsed and destroyed so the well, terracotta they soldiers. All robots. They, uh, they okay. destroyed the decoys. So we haven't found any evidence because they're not all robots. We haven't opened up the Emperor's tomb yet. That's true. Now, you're going to like this one. There's a Simpsons episode. Ooh. Where uh, Bart, where he actually has to go to a, a, a what's it called, a, a military academy, because he did something bad. You know, unlike Bart, he did something bad. And Lisa is there, staring at these kids uh, in a in their formation, and then she compares them to the Ter- Terracotta Army uh, and how um, how disciplined they are. And then Homer, of course, picks up some rocks and throws it at them, and they get hurt, and they start complaining, and he says they're not so disciplined, because rocks. And the Simpsons have been to China, and they visited the Great Wall, which was made by by that first emperor, or, well, started by that first emperor. Uh, But they never visited the Terracotta Army, yet. There's only about, like, 20 seasons left, I think, so they might get there eventually. In music, uh, there are no bands uh, with any reference to the ter- Terracotta Army. There are no albums with a reference to the Terracotta Army. Uh, there are eight songs that I found that use the Terracotta Army in their lyrics. So for any musicians out there listening, there's lots of untapped potential. Go nuts. And I will only take about 20% off the top. And look, you got my Simpsons reference in. I got your Simpsons reference. That's why I thought you'd like that. Mm. Now, if you liked this episode and want to hear more about the ancient world with our nerdy pop culture references, including finding a way to get The Simpsons into every episode, since Andrew has challenged me to do that, you wouldn't believe how I can get The Simpsons into anything. Well, there has been, what, like 9,000 episodes so far? And I'm a big fan. Anyways, please remember to subscribe. You can also see images related to these topics on our Instagram or email us questions and suggestions for future podcast topics at Digging Deeper with the Ancients on Instagram or Gmail. And that's all one word, Digging Deeper with the Ancients. Thank you. Thanks, everyone. And if you like what you heard, and we know you did, please like, subscribe, follow us, and leave leave a comment for us. Uh, that'd be fantastic. Uh, and we'll we'll talk to you all in a couple weeks.